Hey everyone, I'm Sina Hagiha and welcome to First Serve. The path to live a fulfilled and abundant life is to learn, grow and serve and that is what this podcast is all about. We will have guests on the show who are utilising their skills to make a positive impact to our world. Together we can gain a lot of insights, expand our knowledge and apply our learnings to serve others to the best of our abilities. Our guest today is Ali Pauz. She is someone who I've connected with over the past year and I felt her energy and the passion she has for her profession to really serve and empower others through yoga. We talk about how she found her purpose through yoga, which then led to running her own yoga practice, the Yoga Home. She offers yoga teacher trainings around the world, both online and in person, and has facilitated annual retreats in Costa Rica and Peru. Let's dive into the conversation to find out more. Hey Ali, welcome to the First Serve podcast. It's great to have you on. Hello, Sina. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for making the time. So I just want to start with letting everyone know how we know each other. So we're part of the same community, the same inner circle with Gerard Adams. And we've had a few interactions and I thought it'd be great to have you on because I just love your energy and I think that can transpire to our listeners as well. Mm, Absolutely. I agree. Same, same. (laughs) So I want to start off with your background, a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What do you do? What's your profession? And yeah, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Sure. My background. How long is this podcast? (laughs) No, I'll be be brief. Um, So I guess where I grew up, we'll start with that. Um, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Not my favorite place, but um, (laughs) I had the choice of leaving when I was about 18, I think it was. Um, And I, I ventured off into the mountains to follow a snowboarding not career, it was, it was more of a, a hobby that turned into, I started to compete after that. But I grew up in Edmonton and I'm grateful that I, that I did come from there because I met my best friend, Sarah, um, and I had a pretty great upbringing. You know, it, I think a lot of people reflect on this, like any kind of different traumas they've been through and how they grew up and how that in influences their now life and you know it was pretty pretty decent and I had a great mom and a stepdad um, although I kind of held on to the idea of my father leaving at two that it was like my fault so that that stemmed from a lot of things but anyways long story short <laughs> I, I moved on and went to follow my parents to Lethbridge in Canada because they got a different job and I was just finishing high school. So I finished, stayed on my own to finish. And then I decided I can't live with them. I've been on my own for like at least a year or two at 16. So there's no way I can live with them. So I went to Banff, Alberta, the Rockies, amazing place. And I I love that place. Isn't it so great? Um, 
and so, yeah, I, I really got deep into that and I ended up moving to Vancouver for most of my 20s, Vancouver, Canada, and beautiful spot where from then stemmed a lot of different, uh, I, I grew up as an athlete, basically starting from gymnastics to soccer, basketball, you name it. I was just a natural athlete. Um, and so I got really into dancing, break dancing. And so I would go to different battles and compete and travel and we had our crews and it was like a big deal. I was deep into the hip hop culture. Um, so it was, you know, a part of my, my twenties growing up, um, it, which, which was a great channel for me to channel my energy and my anger and the rage that I had from whatever I was holding on to in my youth. And, but, but with that, came a culture of drugs and alcohol. So I got really into the partying, you know, I was still competing in snowboarding. However, the, the partying kind of took over and I got into the film industry and, and we all know how the film industry is. The entertainment industry can be very party party, right? So I, I was really, I think the pivotal part of my life coming back from the Vans Warped Tour I went on as a break dancer, I kind of, woke up to, and this probably will stem from some questions you're going to ask me, but <laughs> to the, to the, okay, yoga, yoga found me and it mm -hmm. really changed my life. And I don't know if you want to stop there and continue asking questions. Yeah. Cause I was going to move on to that. So my question was going to be, how did you get into yoga? Right. And, and to back it up the profession, I am now a, a yoga teacher trainer. Yeah. So I got into it because of, I was really into skateboarding as well. And I had a skateboard injury. Um, I broke my ankle and it was pretty traumatic because I've never broken a bone in my life and I've been really involved in sports. So I'm pretty surprised. I did have a really harsh injury in a snowboard contest in my pelvis, which created a lot of pain throughout my twenties. And I kind of just dealt with it through chiropractic treatments and all all different kind of holistic therapies. And then once I broke my ankle, it was, it was this turning point, either I'm going to continue doing skateboarding and I actually skated harder after I broke my ankle. It was like this initiation into, Oh yeah, now I'm a real skateboarder. <laughs> um, and so, but I needed a place to heal. I needed to heal somehow. And so I, um, someone told me to go to Bikram's yoga to, to heal my body physically and I didn't know mentally and emotionally and spiritually that would come with it too because mm -hmm. for yoga we I stretch naturally as an athlete I was a runner and we just naturally just stretch because we knew it feel good we we knew it, it was would help our muscles and lactic acid and all the things and so I didn't really I was doing it without knowing it was called yoga I was kind of in that zone of it but it opened up a whole door of things for me. Um, and then, so I got into it. I healed from my ankle injury. And that's when I went on that tour, the Vans Warped Tour. And I came back and I was, it was, it was a crazy summer. of <laughs> Just way too much partying. <laughs> and it was like this rock star style life experience that I had. And then I came back and it was like, wow. Shifting from 29 to 30. It was like your Saturn return time of big questions, lots of stuff happening. Where am I? Who am I? What's going on? 
And so I knew that there was something bigger out there. I knew that I had to step into, I was seeking something deeper. And I knew the lifestyle I had was not going to be sustainable. <laughs> so yoga really started to shift my perspective and how I wanted to live my life and really step into who I was and have a career in something. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I knew I was a good teacher because I would teach dance or whatever it was, but I didn't know that yoga would be like this, my purpose, you know? And once you find that, once you click into like, wow, I'm supposed to do this for the rest of my life and I'm going to help others' lives shift, that's like a huge awakening and it shifts everything in your life. And my family finally was like, wow, the gypsy girl, now we respect her. And she, like, unfortunately, they didn't know what to think of me then because I was just a wild child and I didn't know what I wanted. And so I just felt like, wow, I finally found something that I can ground into here and give and be of service to people. So that started my career really when I took my first teacher training in 2005. And then I went and did my hat. That was the basic Hatha yoga. And then I went on to do Ashtanga yoga, another style, uh, Sattva yoga. And then I went to India to do a 300 hour. Um, and from there just did other little tiny trainings. And I realized when 2014 hit, my mother had passed away and it was like this trajectory of my life splitting. And I, that's when I went to India and I realized I need to do these trainings now. I, I need to be able to teach people this because hmm. these teachings have been so profound for me that I, I really want to plant this seed in other people. So I ended up coming back and writing my manual and I had my first training in 2015. And since then I've been linking up with Epic Self, which we had our own little team group there. And we would do Costa Rica trainings and then Thailand trainings. And my dream was always to, to teach in a Spanish speaking tropical place, either doing yoga or massage. Yeah. And that'll stem for another question, probably coming down the way, but, but that was really how I got into yoga and it, it has evolved to this teacher training program now that I'm so grateful to have. <laughs> oh, that's amazing how you like, found your purpose through yoga. And you touched on a little bit about the different styles of yoga. Can you explain all the different styles and what yoga actually is? What does it consist of? Yeah, absolutely. So really, I mean, <laughs> there's so many different ways to get up a mountain and we all reach the summit at one point or maybe not all, but, but definitely it does reach to one place. So there's one truth. There's different, different ways and different styles. And this has been said by Gandhi and BKR Sarangar and, and different swamis and teachers just in different ways, right? There's so many different paths, but there, but there's one truth. So there are different types of yoga, but it all kind of reaches to that one meaning. Yoga means union, right? To bind or to yoke. That's the Sanskrit breakdown of what yoga is. And finding this true self, back to truth. And so there's, it breaks down into different four types. And really they are karma, bhakti, raja, and 
so karma really is selfless action, right? So it's doing something and you're acting, you're doing something out of not expecting something in return. And the basic breakdown is, and I'll, show, I'll kind of explain the branches of it too, if you, if you want me to go there. Yeah, but sure. karma and then bhakti is like devotion, love of the practice of just doing it for, and a lot of that involves like mantra and chanting and stuff like that. And then there's raja, which is way more of the, what we do now kind of, raja means the king yoga. So it's, it's like kriyas. So kriyas is, is um, cleansing. And it's, you know, in Kundalini, they call them Kundalini kriyas. It's like uh, an exercise that you do. So it's cleansing the, and moving the body, but it's also the mind because Raja's more like the meditational, the mind coming into mm -hmm. this one. So from there, it, from, from Raja, it branches off into what we now call Hatha yoga and Ashtanga yoga. And it's really all an umbrella of Hatha because that meaning force or action or physical movement. And so it branches from this and you then you get all these other ashtanga vinyasa and all these style names like yin and bikram which now in the west that's what we know yoga as styles right and you can practice any different style but really it's all bringing you into this uh relationship with self and back to the breath and it, it can do so many different things to help calm your mind, right? Because really moving through the body, there's lots of energy, emotions, mm -hmm. energy and motion. And you want to be able to move that energy and, and transmute it so that we can actually calm our mind. And what was the last one? The last one, the four types is jhana or jnana. So meaning wisdom, like the intellect. And that's knowledge. So the knowledge of learning different scriptures and texts, ancient texts. Bhagavad Gita, all of those kind of things. Um, and, you know, the eight lands and the Yoga Sutras. So that, though, that's like a basic uh, 101 breakdown of the four types and then the styles or whatever suits you, right? At first, Bikram was suitable for me because that's all I really knew at the time. And it helped me heal physically. But right now, I don't really necessarily agree with the philosophy around Bikram and the background of where it comes from, but I still am grateful for how it started my path. Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm really more into just a, a very basic Hatha style, you know, foundational classical. Yeah. 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 So That's about it. what would you say are some of the benefits of yoga? So you mentioned at an early age where you were recovering from your ankle. So it's obviously good for rehabilitation and recovery from injuries, but what are some of the other benefits of yoga? Mm, okay, yeah. So I would say for sure the the, the physical part, but there's always a, a mental component, emotional, spiritual to, to really anything we do if that's what you open yourself to want to be in, right? Because we are these spiritual, we're, we're all of it. It's all encompassing in us. Um, but when you first start out, I think that part of it scares people, that spiritual and emotional part, because they sometimes don't want to look at that side of it. So I feel like 
physically, it helps ground you, it helps settle you, it helps the parasympathetic nervous system calm you and bring you into that more less of a stressful fight or flight state because we all know that that is not a good place for healing. And a lot of dis-ease comes from that, you know, part of the body experiencing all this high cortisol levels. So it helps with that and it brings you back into your, your breath because we can breathe naturally as we do every day without knowing. We're just doing it. We're, we're breathing in and out, <laughs> not really conscious of it. But when you're actually putting that in a conscious, like, pranayama where you're you were controlling it and doing all this different breath work it brings you back into so many different uh systems that are being flushed out respiratory digestion like i mean all the systems in the body will will really be affected um so it's not just that physical part of it your mental components and your emotional so i i feel like it's it's a really a holistic thing and it can be a nice foundation and complementary to anything that you do in life because we all know that we that I mean it's funny how all the doctors now are on which is great I love it that they're all on board with it they're telling their patients you got to try meditation you got to do meditation and I've been saying this for 16 years <laughs> I'm like just yeah. <laughs> it'll change your life um, but there's so many more benefits to it now that we didn't know back then, right? Now it's backed with science. Yeah. Um, and so it's acceptable. And it's not this woo-woo, like it's, you know, people thought it was a religion and all this stuff. And it's really Dhamma. It's, it's the law of Dharma. Like you're, 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 you're noticing and observing your true nature. And we are nature. And all the elements are involved with that, right? Ayurvedic earth, fire, sun, water, all, all of the elements. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's basically kind of a breakdown of it. Yeah. And we are definitely seeing a shift because before all these things were considered as maybe alternative medicine. And I think now they're being considered as traditional medicine. So it's nice to see how we're moving away from like pills being the solution for everything and moving towards self-healing and using the power within us to heal ourselves and i think that goes back to thousands of years right where we were doing this and maybe some of that just has been lost over the years yes absolutely and we do have the power to heal on our own if if we are aware of that and we've been so programmed because of whether it's political or, um, you know, just financial or whatever the case is, whatever agenda that is being placed. And I don't want to go deep down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I know I could. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's really phenomenal to see people now. And I, I have this self, you know, sustainability and self healing because they, once you try it, once you actually practice it, you feel the benefits of it. And you know that a lot of it is from the mind. And this is where a lot of the knowledge and teachings come from is from the, men, the mind is in the thoughts and how that can create suffering, right? They talk about it in the Yoga Sutras, in the texts of being the kleshas, um, which is basically poison of the mind. And it comes from your ego, attachments, uh, fear of death. And so all, all of that, and not knowing who we are, 
So it comes back to who are we and the capabilities that we have as humans to actually heal our own bodies through our minds. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely am I'm so grateful that people are finally waking up to that. Yeah, for sure. And have you always been spiritual? Was it just later in your teenage years where you became spiritual? What, would you say you were spiritual from a younger age? Yeah, you know, that's a good question um, because there's so many different layers to that. I feel like you can have this awakening each day you get out of bed and it depends on your mind frame of where you're going to go with your thoughts. Like I started as a young child, I was, I was raised by a mother that was very spiritual in a sense that she had good intent. <laughs> and I mean this by, by she had all the books, she would read all the things, she would believe in all the things, but sometimes when it came to that human aspect of practicing it, it would be very difficult and it would th get thrown out the window. And then I gave her a little bit more of, um, you know, allowed that to be more of an acceptance of we are human. And just because I'm this yoga teacher and I practice and teach all these things doesn't mean sometimes when I get cut off in traffic under my breath, I don't say the F-bomb to them. <laughs> like that's just a natural reaction. But the thing is with the spiritual path is you recognize it a lot sooner and you kind of step back and go, mm. oh, okay, I'm going to, you bring on all the practices. So as a, as a young girl, I, I definitely felt like I had this spirituality within me. I'm, I have native blood in me or first nations. And I felt like it just came with that territory of just this natural knowing of knowing there's something bigger than me. Um, I, I wasn't growing up in any religion, but I would gravitate to my friends that did go to church and I would go cause I just wanted to hang out with them and church being a religion, <laughs> spirituality, I am, I'm open to all is right. So I think when the first really time it hit me as, because I was still really in my ego, like so in my ego, in my twenties and thirties. And I think it really hit me after my mom died and I touched, I found her. So I found her body. And when I touched a dead body <laughs> being my mother's, which is so close to me, I realized that there is such there is so much more than we don't know and that we know. So it's like, the more I think I know, the more I don't know. And that's when you're on the spiritual path and being in this ego base, you are, ego doesn't live when you're in humility, when you're humble. And I think over 40, when I was over, when I became 40 and on, <laughs> I'm like mid forties now, I realized that it's a diff if it's a way different world and obviously it is, but every day it gets, it's just that awareness piece. And so the spiritual journey has been an interesting path for me and it's all about moment to moment awareness, really. Right. Yeah. Being here, being now and learning and unlearning and yeah. So I don't think I was always spiritual, but I had this natural knowing that there was just more than just this body. <laughs> So I think that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned ego briefly. Um, 
how can we let go of the ego? Yeah, oh, the ego is an interesting. <laughs> um, so when it comes to ego, I actually I heard this not too long ago from a friend of mine. He said, like the acronym ego, E G O, being uh, edging God out, which I thought was really interesting because when you edge God out or push God away or have this thing like, I think I am the body, I am the thoughts, I am this, and you're attaching and identifying to certain things, that is the ego. And then it's not really letting God in because God is all. So if, in my perspective, you know, some people listening might not think so, and that's okay because everyone has their own perspective and is, you know, entitled to have their own opinion. So when it comes to this, I, I just like that concept because when you start to dissolve the walls of the ego, you start to then see the true self. But the ego is, is not, it, I think it gets a bad rap actually, because we do need part of the ego to get out of bed every morning, to do the things we do. We feel safe when the ego, when we, when we know that we have a desire to do this or a plan to do this. Um, and it, it's only when we attach to certain things around that and we, we get attached to the fact that we're stuck and, and we don't have a soul or a spirit in this body. Um, so it's kind of like riding when you're driving, I think of it like this, an imagery of when I'm driving the car the, the ego can be a passenger, but like when the ego starts to drive your car and take over, then you know it's going to get a little reckless <laughs> and you may get in a car accident. And then that's the awakening. It's the wake up because the ego's there to kind of sometimes bring you back in check, but in reminder of who you actually are, right? And so it's an interesting game to play with this ego thing. It's like a little bit of a dance, right? So to dissolve that or to kind of let it go is I find that the practices obviously of meditation um, and just being really present with the thoughts and how you're communicating and how you're responding and how you're listening and how you're actually being with other beings and people. Um, and, and why is that? Why did you make that choice? Like, do you mm -hmm. care what other like, are you so concerned about the validation or are you just doing this out of the, the goodness of your heart? Like, so I think it's just a real deep, just being fully aware of who you are and where you are and, and, and how your actions are um, and, and the why behind it. Like, what is your why? So yeah, the ego can get wrapped up a lot. Um, and sometimes it's a bit of a tornado, but it's interesting observing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think just on the ego, it might be a good point to talk about the breaking the mask initiation that we did yes. as part of our inner circle so just quickly for our listeners there's this japanese proverb that says that we wear three masks one mask to the outer world one mask to our friends and family or one mask to ourselves and this initiation was just about breaking down those masks and getting closer to our true self and really listening to that inner child. So can you tell us about 
your experience going through that initiation and what were like the key revelations that came out of that for you yeah absolutely um it was it, it was an interesting experiment experiment everything <laughs> <an> experiment. <laughs> um it was a, really a profound exercise for sure and i feel like in my past i i have done these different things in different ways, whether it be uh, a letter, you know, I think a forgiveness letter to myself was probably the most profound experience that I've had. Um, but when it comes to these masks, because it's very interesting nowadays, it's just, it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic of us having to wear masks. <laughs> um, so I, I love this concept because we do show up in different ways to different people, right? And, and as a traveler for myself, I've learned to be very adaptable when I come into different cultures, different atmospheres, different groups of people. I might act a little bit different. Um, but in turn, I feel like I'm still at the root of it all. I'm still really myself because, because I know myself now. <laughs> but before I might not have been, I might have been a bit more influenced to whatever was going on at the time. So, um, so when I did the experiment, I found it really difficult to, to, when it came down to the yelling and the screaming part, because I had shame around other people thinking I was going to be hurt, like that were in the building, right? Like, oh, I don't know if I want to yell too loud or what if they think something's wrong or, and so for me, that's been always a big thing, like this control or like this uh, shame or like judgment. And so I kind of had to sit with that one for a while. I, I feel like what came out of it for me the most was the inner child. So I've always really been tapped into the inner alley at that playfulness that I have. Um, so that's never really been a problem. I don't forget about her. I know mm -hmm. she's, she actually takes over a little bit more than I want sometimes when I need to be responsible. Um, so that's not, that wasn't a real issue, but you know, what was interesting to me is she actually came and talked to me and said, now, because my, myself, my, not my higher self, but like my now self was always going back to that two-year-old where my dad left and thinking I was unseen, unheard, unwanted, which was not the story, but I was telling myself that story the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so it made me think that this is this, like this, you know, sad little child that's hurt and lost and abandoned. Yet she was saying back to me as I was crying as myself, my now self, in reflection to her being hurt and she comes back to me and says i got this i'm okay like you're the one who has to get your shit together <laughs> <laughs> and so basically it was like this interesting dynamic between the now self and my younger self and the younger self becoming my higher self saying hey you you're where i'm good i'm healed just don't you know don't ever forget me i'm here to play and, and then just listen to your higher self because she knows what's up and you need to trust that and trust her. So that was like a, such a cool 
um, experience that I had with, you know, journaling and writing about mm -hmm. it. Just revelation, really. <laughs> because, you know, how we're always like the inner, inner child, the injured child <laughs> that we're always trying to heal. And it was really like that realization that it, it's okay. She's good now. Move on. <laughs> so that was, that was that what came out of that for me. Yeah, because you can go through the years and you've, you've attached a certain meaning to something at that period of point in your life, but it was at that point in your life, whereas you've, you've grown through that now. So it, yeah. Yeah. it probably has a different meaning right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the old story that we're attaching onto, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I now, think a lot of us yeah, are going through that and we need to probably take the time to do that self-discovery and listen to our inner child. Whereas, yeah, I think a lot of us go through these experiences and we don't really let go. Mm -hmm. and, and, there's, and there's still aspects of her that want to be nurtured and loved and cared for and held. And that's okay. That, that just needs to come back. And, and be reminded of when she does need that, right? Yeah. Listening. So what would you say have been your biggest learnings from yoga or as a teacher of yoga as well? Oh boy. It's, it, it's like an ongoing journey for sure. I think the biggest thing is, like I mentioned before, the more I think I know, the more I don't know. And the more it puts me back into this beginner mind frame so that I can be open to that humility of just being human and, and, and accepting myself and not being so hard on myself when something does a mistake, <laughs> which really isn't a mistake. It's basically a learning lesson because the universe is providing what we need to see in this moment for us to evolve. Right. So I think the biggest learning from all these teachings is just the aspect of knowing that there's this soul in this body and it's very the impermeance of life and that this is all very temporary. And I mean, I feel like the 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 deaths that I did experience and the grief that I did experience seven years ago with a, a, a bunch of family members going on me, I just realized like, wow, this is such a very temporary time and just live every moment as though it was your last because we have no idea when we're going to go and we really don't. And I feel like all the teachings of yoga prepare you to get there because Shavasana is corpse pose. It's your death bed basically we're rebirthing a new person every day or every practice or every moment it's a new person if you want to open yourself to reflect on that if you want to be open to that change right but we we fear change so i mean there's just there's so many things i've learned from it but i keep stepping back to the basics of you know what i'm just human and be kind to yourself because you could go down this rabbit hole of I'm not this or I'm not that or the, what the mind spirals us down to. Um, 
and be, just be open to keep learning and unpro and reprogramming the old stuff, like the old stories that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the revelations. So many different teachings. Um, yeah. I'm grateful for all of them. I think meditation has been the biggest one for me because I realized the mind and the thoughts are so crucial um, to how we're living our lives, how we react and how we respond to things. Um, the emotions that we need to feel and not suppress and numb. That's been a big one because of growing up in my 20s, just suppressing with drugs and alcohol and not wanting to feel things that actually need to be felt so that we can heal and, and just move on and be present with it. So, yeah, I could talk about this forever. I don't know how much time you have. So. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, you talked about a few of the yoga styles. I remember, I think it was a few months ago now, where I joined the club room, clubhouse room with yourself and you went through yoga nidra with me and it actually put me to sleep. So can you talk a little bit about Yoga Nidra and what it is and yeah, and the benefits yeah. it has on sleep, obviously, because it worked on me. Yeah, for sure. And full disclaimer, I'm not like I'm not a Yoga Nidra practitioner or um, certified Yoga Nidra teacher. But however, I have done lots of studies, lots of practices, lots of teachings on it. Um, regardless of that, uh, I can break it down in kind of a basic, you know, for the listener to really understand at a basic level of what it is and how, how good it is for us. Um, now I do part of this in my treatments too. I, I'm a massage therapist, a registered massage therapist and a cranial sacral therapist in also somato emotional release. And so what I've done is combine these modalities. Now I'll tell you about that later after I briefly explain um, yeah, and I'm so glad you joined me that time and you, it was perfect for just kind of going to sleep. And so for me, yoga nidra means yogic sleeping, yogic sleep, okay. but you're not necessarily sleeping per se, as in like REM and snoring and all this stuff. It's more so a yo, it, it, it's more so getting you into this state of a deep like the theta, when the brain waves start to really come down to this place where you're in parasympathetic nervous system, where your subconscious is way more available for programming, like reprogramming the mind and all of the old, in, in yoga and meditation, we call it samskaras, um, which are imprints and memories that we imprint into our subconscious and our neural pathways. And so to really kind of bring that up and reprogram what, because there's so much stuff in there that we have no idea. And sometimes it comes up during meditation, uh, plant medicine ceremonies, uh, yoga nidra. And so when you're in that deep state where you're not in your head and you're not thinking, that's why it's so good for people that are just starting out because they tend to think meditation is really hard for them. They can't practice it. They can't, their thoughts, this, I'm busy, uh, blah, blah. There's so many different resistance to that. And with yoga nidra, it's like, just lay down and the work will happen, right? You just have to lay there. 
Uh, and, and so basically you are lying down in a very comfortable position uh, for preferably with some, a little bit of cushion underneath you because sometimes your head, back of your head gets a little bit numb. <laughs> Uh, depending on how long you stay there. Now, I sometimes only do 20 minutes in mid-afternoon when I want that cup of coffee and you're tired or you want a nap. So what happens is, because I don't have a teacher there every day to guide me through the practice, I just listen to a YouTube video or something like that where they're guiding you. So basically you have a guide, a teacher that's talking you through all of this and going through each part of the body, each different, different part saying, relax your thumb, relax your finger, relax your, you know, like, and they just go through each part and it gets you to either you visualize that part relaxing and settling. And just even that is just like this calming voice gets you into that state regardless. And so you're kind of in and out. Like if you're not sleeping, you're in and out of this consciousness of, you know, it's almost like a dreamlike state, but not because you come back and you hear the voice again. Um, and you're like, oh, she's still talking. <laughs> and then you kind of go back into this other realm and this other world. Um, and it's, it's so fascinating and you come out of it really rested. So basically they say if you've had four hour, or sorry, um, 20 minutes or 40 minutes of a yoga nidra session equals, is equivalent to four hours of full sleeping uninterrupted. So it resets your nervous system. It, there's so many benefits to it, um, helps reprogram that subconscious. And what you do is plant this, they call it uh, Sankhya, which is like a little mantra or an affirmation in that middle state when you're there. And you place that in like, say something simple, I am love or whatever you want to bring in. And then it plants the seed for that to come to fruition. And so, there's so much beauty behind yoga nidra and I just find that that has been so healing for me because you turn off your mind and you let your whole body settle. Now, what I wanted to just circle back to was this modality that I've created and it's basically well, half an hour of massage techniques, right? Working with the muscle, the fascia, the circulation, and then half an hour of craniosacral, which helps with that nervous system and the cerebral spinal fluid. And then half an hour of yoga nidra, which talks them into getting into this way deeper state while I'm doing cranial sacral on them. So it's so powerful. I call it NS reset. It's about an hour and a half treatment. And I've heard some really amazing results and feedback from that. And you mentioned mantra and I've heard a few teachers talk about creating your own mantra for each person. How does that work in terms of creating a unique mantra for an individual? Like, how do they come up with that? Is it random or is it based on your physiology? Or, do you know much about that? Not really, because that's more of a, a TM, Transcendental Meditation thing that they, they, the teachers come up with a mantra for people. So Vedic, I, I haven't gone down like mantra is, is a sound and a vibration, right? Yeah. And I often do give my students a simple mantra just to get them started on it, right? Om is the very basic universal. Um, it's Om is the vibration of all creation. So really anyone can kind <clears> of <throat> get into that Om mantra or, 
or Satnam, truth is my identity. Sat Nam, inhale Sat, exhale Nam. And Soham, I am, I am that. I mean, there's these simple ones that you can do and I give people, but I personally, I don't, I've never been given one by my teacher. <clears throat> and because for me, it, it kind of stems naturally, it comes up naturally through my meditation and my intuition and something that's ringing through me. And, and I think that I, I gather that on my own through whatever, whatever source is trying to, you know, transmute through me. But that's, that's the knowledge I know of the teacher giving the mantra out <laughs> because yeah. I know that it does happen in TM and, and Vedic um, meditation, but I've never gone down that route or experienced that. And I always think like, that's really mysterious. Like why, <laughs> what's the mantra for you? And so I'm curious for sure why it's so mysterious and why they can't tell you what the mantra is. And I'm sure there's some amazing spiritual <laughs> response to that. Um, but that's just my outtake. Yeah. I was, just, I was just wondering like how, how did they come up with personalizing it for you? But, um... <laughs> and I think what it boils down to is the vibration that you're getting from that particular, like if you sit with someone for a while and what you're feeling from it. And it, and it does base it down to intuitive and sixth chakra and really tapping into your intuitive abilities of, of where, you know, for me working with chakras, I'm kind of seeing what that student needs to work on or, or if they share that with me. And then I come up with something like what this mantra would be really good for you. And this is when I do it is when I know they're working, say on their second chakra and it's relationship and creativity and sensuality and sexuality, maybe um, I am enough is, is a good mantra for you. But that's just my way of looking at it. I have no idea what, what the other yeah. teachers do. So. <laughs> so just on chakras, what are the different chakras? Yeah. So, um, so the chakras, there's basically, there's a lot of different chakras that are aware of just the seven that we talk about, but I usually just talk about the basic seven that, that are often depicted in that you will see online and on the internet, you know, all the different colors that come through. So the first one is really at the base and it's called the root chakra, Muladhara chakra. And that's just the foundation. Like that's the basic one where, and, and there's even said to be some that are the first one that are in the earth, the root. But I consider the root chakra the root as you're connecting to the earth. And the color is red. The, obviously the element is earth. And it's your sense of belonging and foundation. So your tribe and your family and, and, and your basic needs for survival, right? Food, water, shelter. And if all of these things or any of these things are unstable, then you can feel it through your body. Like for me, traveling was a big one because I was living out of a suitcase and I was not in one place and I didn't know really where I belonged. So for me, I wanted to always work on that first chakra and I would go after I came out of the plane and walk on the earth and ground and step in, bare, in barefoot on the earth right? Whether it's grass or sand. So that was a big one for me. Second is just your Swatyastana. So it's, it's, um, 
the sacral chakra, right? And it's all kind of all runs along the spine. And there's different channels where the kundalini rises, right? And we can get into that later if you want. But second chakra is is orange and it represents your relationship and creativity and sexuality. Um, and the element is water, so just this fluid flow. The third one is Manapura chakra, so it's about the solar plexus area. And this is like our power center, our fire. So the element is fire and the color is yellow. Think like the sun, solar. And it's very, you know, this is where our self-worth is, transformation, digestion, all of that lies through there. And then the fourth one is the heart. And obviously the heart is located at the heart center. It's green and it's Anahata chakra. So this one represents our love and compassion, unconditional love, relationships as well. Uh, but more, you know, it, it's funny how it kind of starts with this relationship with self and then it starts to go upwards. So there's, there's this border between matter and spirit and the heart chakra starts to get more into the spirit realms as you go higher up the chakra. So the throat, which I'm feeling like <clears throat> I'm a little bit stuck right now, <laughs> <laughs> is, is the throat um, uh, Vishuddha chakra. So this is blue, the color is blue. And really what this represents obviously is communication, self-expression and speaking your truth. So this one can get blocked for a lot of people, a lot, a lot. There's lots of different exercises you can do with these two. And if, you know, if anyone wants to go deeper with this, I have like a free booklet PDF on my Instagram account, Ali Paws. <laughs> so you can go there and just kind of download that. And then the sixth one is your Agna. So it's like intuition and intuitive center. Uh, indigo is the color. So our third eye, basically opening up that cosmic eye and more so looking inwards, really but it's expansive because you realize your abilities that you have in your intuitive abilities. And then of course the crown. So the crown chakra, Sahasrara. And, and this is either, this is like the thousands petal lotus, um, which is Samadhi and enlightenment and bliss. And just kind of opening up from all of these being aligned. So those are the chakras and chakra mean the wheel. So there's these spinning vortexes basically through the body, energetic anatomy. And how do you know if there's an Im imbalance in one of the chakras? How do you find out that? Yeah, so that's a good question. There's, because it's, it's, you know, it's hard, especially if you're not even aware, even if you are aware of them. It's like, how, how am I even, how do I know if these, if it's an, this invisible thing I can't see? But it is energy. So the, the thing is, it's you have to kind of feel into it either, you know, a good way to go is sometimes going to a Reiki master practitioner and, and, and they can kind of go through it and feel which ones are blocked. But intuitively, I think meditation is a good place to start because that's the doorway to your intuition or sorry, the intuition. Yeah, it's really the doorway to that intuitive knowing um, because you have the time to sit and listen. But when you do, the, the times that I know, if you are aware of them, you, you kind of study which each one represents, then you figure out what's going on in your life at that time. So say if, like I mentioned, the root being out or just a little bit imbalanced, I feel like I'm 
traveling lots. I, I'm going from place to place. I don't feel grounded. And those kind of things, that's when I know I need to work on my root chakra. Like there's something might, might be imbalanced there or just unstable. Um, and then, you know, when you say if you're having certain relationship or money or those kind of issues coming up for you, then it might, you might be out a little bit in the second chakra. So once you know which one represents, then you can kind of piece that together on whether it's feeling out or not, right? And then how do you channel energy to those different chakras? Well, yeah. So <clears throat> the really good way is, is to, uh, I, I usually like to lay down and do yoga nidra. And you can say if I pick the sixth chakra and I'm feeling like I need, I, I'm very indecisive right now. I need to tune into my intuition which is something that's coming up for me lately because I want to move to Tulum and I'm like, what do I do? Canada's crazy right now. <laughs> so I will put like an amethyst crystal or something on, and amethyst is purple. It represents the indigo of the sixth chakra. And then I'll feel through the vibrations of that while I'm either doing yoga nidra or listening to binaural beats. Because then if you listen to binaural beats that kind of have the same frequency, as the sixth chakra, it can kind of move through that layers. And we're just energy, right? We are not just, we're energy. <laughs> and so the molecules and atoms and everything bouncing off of each other, we can feel, especially music, because everything is sound, everything. But ohm, the vibration of the universe is sound. So when we tap into that sound and frequency, it is so powerful. And you can feel that through your tissues and it starts to open up that area and maybe start getting it. You can visualization is a big one too. You can visualize the chakra wheel um, and that color spinning at a really healthy frequency, not too fast. Cause if this is too fast, the throat chakra is too fast. You're over talking and you're interrupting and you're, you know, you're not listening. If it's stuck and sluggish and slow and stagnant kind of, you know, really, it never really stops. It's, I think, that's the misconception is chakras get blocked, but I, I think they're always just there and moving. It's just whether it's balanced or not, you know, whether it's spinning or, or slow. And so it's there. And if it's sluggish and slow, you're not speaking your truth. You're, you can't speak up those kind of things. Right. So yeah, that's a good way to move through the energies. So if I want to attract the right person, what can I start working on? Oh, <clears throat> well, I don't know if I could tell you <laughs> if I wanted to, I'd already have him here. <laughs> no, it, I think it requires a lot of work on yourself. So you basically become that person. You can have all these different qualities and this whole list that you want, but that does that list and not to say that I want to meet the twin of Ali. Like I don't want to meet the same person as me. It's just, I want to be aligned with the same core values as that person relatively, right? And attracting, basically you do the inner work and work on yourself and that vibration eventually, when it's time, sometimes it's just not the right timing, it'll come into play, but you can't just stop doing the work when you think it's not happening. It's just, you're, because you get wrapped up in this, well, I've done all the things and it's still not happening. It's just not time for you to be there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, basically the key is, is just 
you know, I write all these different lists and it's like, well, I, I look at those lists. Am I actually a part of like, do I do that? Because if you write a list and say, I don't want anyone, my non-negotiables are smoking and drinking. And then yet I'm puffing on a cigarette and drinking alcohol. Like you don't, that's not congruent, right? So I think that's the best way. And we talked about meditation briefly and you did mention how some people find it difficult. I personally sometimes find it difficult to just relax and clear all those thoughts. So what tips do you have for people like myself and others listening who find it difficult to meditate? Yeah. Okay. So I would say there's a few different ways. I first want to bust the myth of, of, of what most people <laughs> think meditation is. They think that their mind is too busy, so therefore they can't. And, and they need to stop the thoughts, which is very um, counterintuitive. Like it's, it's basically our minds are designed basically to have these thoughts. That's, that's just how it is. So meditation is a really good invitation to actually look at those thoughts and not push them away, but just allow the emotions to be there and allow the thoughts to be there because that is part of the experience. That's part of the practice. Um, so that's just number one, just let's bust that myth of thinking that you need to do that. And then there's a couple of different techniques that you could probably do to start off. And I actually have a little mini course, just an introduction to meditation. We can put those in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's, 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 there's, I break down, what I do is break down six techniques and from focusing on different things. So you can start with the breath, which is very basic and just basic breathing in and out of the nose. Right. And then the second one is your counting. So whether your counts, you want to use 10, nine, eight, seven, that there's different ways of counting. And then we have mantra you can focus on whether it's om or satnam like we talked about okay so inhale om exhale om and that's a very it's it's just basically teaching you to bring yourself into this point of focus so you're not focusing on the breath you know there's different techniques as in my favorite one is sensations of the breath so basically vipassana and I know that you're probably interested in Vipassana because you asked me about it, but um, that is probably the best one for me. So the, what sensation does is it basically gets you to focus on each sensation that are happening, whether it's tickling or scratching on the head or pulling or throbbing or something pulsing. Because all of this happens within the human body and we have to be able to feel these, and that gets you so in touch with your tissues um, that it gets you out of that, not to say that your thoughts aren't gonna happen, but it gives you a little bit more focus on where to scan through the body. Now that's Vipassana technique. And you know, usually it's a 10 day thing for the first one, it's very intense, uh, but you can just do basic sensations. And that's what I teach in that intro to meditation. Um, and what I like about that is it, it doesn't 
take you away from the actual feeling of our human body and our experience. It's not like, oh, I'm going to just listen to this mantra or think about this mantra or think about this breath, which are great techniques to start off with. But the sensations in Vipassana technique is a little bit more, more advanced um, because you're not listening to an app. You're not being guided. You're being guided by your own inner awareness by observing each each sensation and so it can be a very intense practice there's also chakra techniques where you visualize through root to crown and and kind of go through the chakras and so i talk about all those different ones i, f I feel like the basic one for people they really do need to start with guided so whether you have a teacher or an app that's a good place to start and i would say the, my favorite app, if you were to start, is Sam Harris or Tara Brock has a really good podcast that goes through it. But like I said, if you want to get connected to just the basic techniques, what I do in my intro class is just do an explanation of what the technique is and then a 10-minute guided meditation for each one. So there's about six videos. Um, and it just kind of takes you through very basic. So that's a good place to start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely leave all the information in the show notes. So please do go check that out. So I want to talk a little bit about your morning and evening routines as well. What does that consist of? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I love this topic because it's probably my favorite thing because I am all about becoming my best self and helping others become their best self. And I feel like when I don't do these morning and evening rituals, it throws off my whole day. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's definitely, I can tell so much, even if I just miss that one thing, which is very uh, interesting because I've come to a place where if I do miss that thing, I don't want to be attached to it because that's another thing with yoga and the practice is you got to be fluid as well with what's going on. If, if you miss one thing or the other, it doesn't mean you have to be, well, now your whole day is thrown off. Yeah. So I just mean like this is going to add to the day so much more in productivity, in mental capacity, in energetic levels. So let's just start with the evening because then it sets up for a really good day because it sets up for a good sleep. And a good sleep is what's most important out of all of this is because you have that time to rejuvenate. And that's where all the healing happens is sleep. So I start with uh, the evening routine. And sometimes this is not always the case, especially now that I'm a clubhouse addict. <laughs> I've definitely <laughs> learned about boundaries. And I, I shut off my phone an hour before I go to bed. Okay, sometimes it's half an hour, but I want to make it an hour usually. And then I, right when it turns dark, actually, I put on my blue blocker glasses because of the blue light. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's too draining for, you know, it, it takes away the melatonin and what that's what you need for sleeping. So for me, I, I put those glasses on and then I shut off all the screen time about an hour before and then I get into my uh, book, whatever I'm reading. I don't tend to do a meditation at night because I just am too tired, but I do throw on a yoga nidra 
to kind of fall asleep, but that's only when I really can't fall asleep because I usually like to put my phone in another room on airplane mode or shut off, but I do use an alarm. So I, that's why I put on airplane mode. And the reason I do it at that is because I don't want those EMFs like right by my head. And I also notice my, my sleeps are deeper when I put it in the other room. And if and when my alarm goes off, because I usually wake up before the alarm, just natural alarm, then I actually get out of bed and it gets me out of bed. <laughs> so what happens then in the morning for the morning time is I get out um, and then I, first thing I do, I'll obviously go to the bathroom, but the first thing I do is scrape my tongue. And for me, this is a big one because if you only knew what came off of your tongue in the morning, you would do this every morning. <laughs> so it's good for the debris and extra bacteria and really just cleansing. And it's not like brushing the teeth, it's scraping. <laughs> and you'll see what comes off. It's kind of gnarly. <laughs> so then, and then I brush my teeth in oil pull with coconut oil. And then I have my lemon water. It's usually warm, better than cold or hot. But usually warm because I just want to down it and then go do my meditation. So I'll do a, a, usually about a 20 minute meditation in the morning and then I'll do this chanting. So I use Japa Mallet and just go through the Om, Namo, Nara, like there's different chants that I do, but um, you just go through the, each beat. And that's about 15, 20 minutes. And then uh, movement practice, whether that's yoga or Kriya or Wim Hof or like some kind of breathing technique. And then I walk and I go outside and get into nature and just like breathe the fresh air in. Um, yeah, and then obviously get on my phone and post, and I try not to do it for the first hour. Um, I try not to look at my phone the first hour. If I'm really like lazy and bad, like especially when I sleep in the morning on Sundays, I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I'll look at it within the first 30 minutes, but <clears throat> usually it's about an hour and even longer than that sometimes. And that really puts me in this non-reactive state. And then I write my journal three gratitudes, and then three things that I, the main goals that I have for the day, like the absolute what I must get done, because I have huge lists. And if I get caught up with too many things, and then I don't do the one that I actually don't like, the hardest one, because I leave it behind, then it never gets done, because there's just too many other things on the list, right? So that's basically, and obviously then I eat, I'm intermittent fasting, so I don't eat until around 11. Um, and it's usually just a smoothie um, or porridge or something. And then I get to work. So <laughs> I have like, I'm, I don't really start work until 10 or 11, but I get up at around 6.30. So that's my, my breakfast of champions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Love it. Um, yeah, definitely. Journ I do a lot of journaling as well. And it's just transformed how productive I am. And also three things I'm grateful for in the morning and three things at night. Um, yeah, definitely transformative process. I want to talk about poetry a little bit because yeah. I know you, um, I'm a big fan of poetry and I, I see you post a lot of Rumi quotes and he's one of my favorite people to quote. So just on that, what is your favorite Rumi quote? I know oh, there's so yeah. many. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs>
Yeah, I have so many that I love. Um, like almost too many, but I think my favorite would probably be the one that says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. And That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, really? No, you're... <laughs> Because, we, I mean, it starts with ourselves, right? And we want to, oh, do all these big things and change the world. and But we have to realize that it really starts with us first. And that's my whole mission with yoga and getting these heart-led leaders to, to teach, certify in yoga because we start to real, get people to realize that the relationship with the self is the most important. And then it spirals out from there. Yeah. Um, and we can't heal the world if we're not healing ourselves. So... That's probably the one I, I love the most. There's so many, and I just posted one about making life your poetry or living poetry. And that's so true, too. So, yeah, that's my favorite. I think you wanted me to read one, no? Yeah, um, I know you write poems as well. And I've heard your poems before. Do you mind sharing one with us? I would love to. I'm just going to... I don't have this one off by heart, so I'll just read it. And I just recently got back into writing again because I've been moderating a couple of rooms in Clubhouse and I'm really just so inspired by all the art and the poets. And so um, this is actually a post. Uh, I wrote it in Costa Rica a few, probably a couple years back, a few years back. And it's kind of about... Um, past life twin flame stuff, but it's called the jungle goddess. <clears throat> she whispers to you in the wind as the breeze gently brushes your face. You cannot trace the beginning of time when she first saw your soul with her eyes. He said he's been here before, recognizing the heartbeat in the midnight heat Treasures of memory trails through the karmic weave of the lucid dream. She stands strong, yet graceful. As he traces her curves with his eyes and remembering the imprint of pure love as she's mesmerized. This light is so deep it shines through the layers of clouded scars and tales of shattered pieces of her heart. The cellular dance of intimate romance majestically threads the old stories to reveal the reality in this moment. She sees face to face in this time and place. As she surrenders to grace, she meets you as though it was new, as you reveal your truth, and she reminds you of the first time you met, under the canopy jungle, the pale moonlight, as she whispers to you in the night. And that's that. Wow, that's amazing, <laughs> <laughs> really good. How did you, how did you get into poetry? Oh gosh, I, you know, I started writing, even in grade five, we were taught to make our own little books. Um, and we would actually construct the, the outer part of it and use duct tape to tape the sides, <laughs> like wallpaper to put, it was interesting how we made the, the actual book and they're just little tiny things, you know, you're in grade five, but the first piece I probably wrote that my mom was just like, wow, you wrote this, what? I was 16, I think, and I wrote about my grandma's farm. And it, it, it was interesting. The imagery was very interesting. And I, I think just naturally it just came out. I just, 
that's just how how it is sometimes. This is how my soul kind of decides to <laughs> express myself in the world. And and with words, I love the play on words and the tongue twisting. I love that. And so I think I was, I got more into it when I was in my 20s too. I wrote a couple, I wrote one that I know off by heart that I, that I would perform sometimes on an open mic, um, which is more like slam poetry. It's more, it's a different rhythm. Um, and then, yeah, and I've written quite a few since, but, and sometimes uh, I wrote a couple songs cause I started playing the guitar around t- 2009 or something. I got my first real guitar that I bought. <laughs> the first one was kind of donated to me when I was 19, but yeah. And then I just started playing and putting together like actual courses and an actual song instead of just poetry. Cause that was more my style of writing was poetry. Um, and lately I've just been more inspired, but you know, Instagram, when you post things on Instagram that I, I sometimes take the image and then I apply what I feel and look into the image of what it is. And I apply it to in, in my perspective of what, what the words are or what the image brings to me. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. And you, you mentioned that the, the Rumi quote, how, you know, we can all make an impact by changing ourselves first. And that's how we can make that kind of collective impact by changing the world together by improving ourselves. But if I could give you three laws or what three laws would you create that everyone has to follow and, and why? I would say be kind. We don't know the battles people are facing. Dance and sing <laughs> because that's true medicine to me. <laughs> and it brings so much playfulness out in people. Um, I mean, if it was a law, yeah, I would probably make that a law. <laughs> um, and just, what would I, what else would it be? I think just, yeah, be kind and, and, and no, and really respect people's perspective because everyone has different belief systems, opinions, you know, how they grew up, different traumas, like just really respect where they're at and meet people where they're at. I think that's what I would say. But singing and dancing the most important. <laughs> I've seen your TikTok videos and Instagram reels, loving it. Yeah, thank you. I think it's so important to, laughter is just such great medicine, you know. We take life so seriously and I think we really need to bring light to it, for sure. Yeah. And I like to end the podcast episodes with a question. What can we all do from today to better serve ourselves and to serve others? Love yourself. (laughs) simple it's it's a really powerful um thing to harness is that love within ourselves because it because we are a reflection in our relationships with other people in the world and if we respect and love ourselves that 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 just only means you can reflect that upon other people too and treat people as though they want to be treated Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. I completely agree. Treat Treat people as though you want to be treated. (laughs) Because then you know what it feels like to be in someone else's shoes. It brings you more, like, in that empathy place. Yeah. And easier said than done for a lot of people, even the ones that are on this enlightened spiritual path. It's, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) That's basically, I'm leaving it with that. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. Ali, um, thanks a lot for for this. Um truly appreciate it and it was so nice to hear your story and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way and truly inspirational and just keep continue what you're doing with your teachings and I'm sure the world will become a better place as we continue to work on ourselves. Well, I really appreciate you, Sina, and, and inviting me to do this. It, I feel so honored. And I'm so proud of you that, that you have this podcast and that we connected through Gerard's Inner Circle group. And I look forward to meeting you maybe one day in person. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Thanks, Ali. You're welcome. Ali has certainly raised my awareness on the benefits that yoga can have on our health and well-being and I feel that this is something we should all look to incorporate into our daily lives even if it is just for a couple of minutes a day to really disconnect from all the distractions that are thrown our way which distances us from listening to our true selves and unlocking our full potential. If you want to connect with Ali I've left the details in the show notes along with links to her seven chakras booklet and her online courses. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe so you can get a notification when a new episode is released. Also share it with your friends and family or whoever you think would be interested in this episode. I would really appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to reach out to myself, you can find me on Instagram. I'll leave the info in the show notes and I'll see you all in the next episode.